Hello and welcome to Ag PhD Radio. I'm Darren Hefty. And I'm Brian Hefty. Thanks for joining us today. It's Farmer Friday. We would love to hear from you. Our phone lines will be open all throughout the show. We're going to get to your email questions right away here too in the Ag PhD mailbag. We are live in the Morton studio today. And I guess before we get to those questions, I was just going to say real quick, um, it's been a very challenging spring and I've just been really encouraging uh, farmers, agronomists, anybody involved in agriculture, do everything you can to stay positive. There's lots of negative news out there, everything from the news to weather, markets, but we got to hang in there. And, you know, if we do and we do our jobs every day, we got to hope things are going to turn out great. All right, let's get to the Ag PhD mailbag. It's the mailbag. All right, Brian, I got one from Tony here, and he said, I, I split my soil sample. I sent it to two different labs, uh, one of them being Neil Kinsey's lab, who I trust, but another lab that I was kind of checking out because they got results back to me quicker and cheaper, but boy, are their results quite different. How do I interpret this? Uh, seems Seems a little crazy to me that labs could be this far apart. Yeah, there are a lot of labs that are different, but here's the thing. I, you didn't, well, at least I don't have the results from each one. So if I did, then I could maybe see a little bit better which testing methods they're using and try to figure out a little bit more what's going on. I know the one lab uses the Malik 3 test. Not sure on the other one. I do know, like with Neil Kinsey's stuff, he very often reports things in pounds as opposed to most labs will report them in parts per million. Now, personally, I love it when things are reported in pounds. That makes it way simpler. But obviously, the numbers are going to be different because let's say you have a six-inch soil test. In order to convert parts per million to pounds per acre, you have to multiply times two. So right away, if you're comparing one has one says pounds and the other says parts per million, well, that's where a lot of difference is going to come. But yeah, I, I see what you mean here in terms of like uh, base saturation K... Well, if uh, that one is a lot different, then that certainly could throw a person off because, let's see, just looking at, there's one of them here where it says 6.3% base saturation K, and then the and then Kinsey says 2.79% base saturation K. Uh, that's an enormous difference. One of the things you got to understand, though, with the way Kinsey does it is he looks at the other bases. So you start figuring in micronutrients, which Kinsey does and other labs don't, and that's going to skew the data a little bit. I'm not saying either side does it right or wrong necessarily, but I'm just saying when you're trying to make conversions, you got to look at all that. So anyway, if you got specific questions, let us know. But yes, we've run a lot of these same types of comparisons with different labs before. It's... Uh, it's a little frustrating, sometimes a little discouraging, but you know, once you kind of figure out your yields and the the levels where you can go with fertility and it's based on yield, then you have a much better idea, hey, with my lab, this is kind of the level that I'm looking for. As an example, on our farm last fall, we did one acre grids and over 2,000 acres of our farm. Okay, so I had 2,000 points of data and I we then match those up to yield to each grid point. Well, when you do those kind of things and you simply map that out, then we were able to determine, okay, I'll just give you a couple examples. Um, more 
zinc was not helping us because we'd raised the zinc so high already. So we continued raising the zinc and that, that wasn't helping yield. So I, I, I don't have to be a soil scientist or a fertility expert or anything to know, okay, I don't need to spend any more money on zinc. On the other hand, copper and boron were paying, boron especially. My higher yields had higher boron levels. Okay, not rocket science here. I know I need to get more boron out there, and then I can kind of look at whatever lab I'm using, and I can say, all right, here's my benchmark. Here's where I'm at today. I can see very plainly that higher boron levels are giving me higher yields, so now I need to keep moving those numbers up. All right, thanks for the question. We really appreciate that. Uh, got one from Adam in northern Wisconsin. He said, if I add calcium sulfate or gypsum, to my banded 2 by 2 dry fertilizer program, would the calcium tie up the potassium or the phosphate in the band? Now, this is something I don't know that I've ever heard, Brian, of somebody putting calcium sulfate or gypsum with potassium and phosphorus. And a lot of times when you overload Wait. the calcium in one zone like that, Did he I'm say not sure infer? why. He said two by two. Okay. I'm not sure why you would do that. Normally, the changes we're trying to make with calcium sulfate, we would want to broadcast. Right. Because we'd want to change every soil amendment. Yes. So, no, we would not do that. Um, Is it possible the calcium could tie some stuff up? Sure, it is. But chances are, if you're going two by two, you're not putting very much out for a rate. So, I'm not, we're not crazy worried about it. We worry much more about lime, the calcium carbonate tying things up. Than as opposed to calcium sulfate anyway, so I, I, I'm I'm just not concerned that concerned in this situation. But we do think most of the time you'll get better response, and and we look at gypsum as kind of this long more long term thing, and about more about soil health and a soil amendment. So yeah, that's we we'd probably like to know a little more why you're thinking banding would be the way to go. All right. Thanks for the question. We we appreciate that one. Uh, got one in. This one's neat, too. It's from Nathan. He said, I'm going to put in some sweet corn. I'm wondering what you'd recommend for sweet corn herbicides uh, for weed control. Also, would I need a permit to buy or apply them? You know, when you think about sweet corn, Brian, my standard program is starting off with something like uh, Outlook or Dual. So a group 15 a grass herbicide at, a, at the full labeled rate for sweet corn. And then I'm coming back in post-emerge with a half a pound of atrazine, and I'm coming back with impact. And yep, I just have I seen the crop safety on impact, which is an HPPD family herbicide, has been so good that that I, I really like that. Yeah, you could throw some more dual or outlook out there early post, too. I, I, off the top of my head, I don't remember what the, the total you can use in a season is for dual or outlook. But the, but the point is, with sweet corn, you don't have the same crop canopy that you do for field corn in most cases. So it's easier for weeds to come back later season. And usually you need more herbicide to get the same level of control as you would use in corn. In now field your corn. your uh, requirements for permits and so forth really vary depending on where you live. In general, you need a, a pesticide applicator license to apply any pesticides. Yep. Uh, but, but Restricted use permit to buy atrazine. But otherwise, impact, dual, outlook, no. Be right back with more of your calls and questions after this. Find your full potential and increase your bottom line with branded generic herbicides from Atticus LLC. Tough broadleaf weeds are a hassle, but they're no match for Cavallo from Atticus. Cavallo delivers fast, contact, and residual control so your corn, soybean, and sorghum crops can thrive. Growers across the region count on Atticus for relevant and reliable products that deliver results every time. 
Ask your local retailer about Atticus products and visit AtticusLLC.com to learn more. For value-based solutions you can trust, turn to Atticus. Always read and follow label instructions. Hey, Bill, any advice to control tough weeds and rootworms? That's easy, Jim. Buy two, save three. Wait, for weeds and rootworms? Buy two, save three. Combine your Impact or new Impact Z herbicide purchase with a qualifying insecticide and save $3 per acre. Buy two, save three. That is good advice. For details, go to buy2save3.com. Impact, Impact Z, and Buy 2 Save 3 are trademarks owned by Amvac Chemical Corporation. All rights reserved. Impact Z is a restricted-use pesticide. Always read and follow label instructions. Customer service goes a long way when trying something new. Ryan Shaw from Michigan shares how Soil Warrior helped him transition to strip tillage in his operation. The Soil Warrior guys, they are amazing to work with. They made this jump in this transition extremely painless. It, one question that I get all the time is, how is the service and everything? And I said, well, actually, I get better service from them than I typically do my dealers uptown. They're just amazing. More info at SoilWarrior.com. Managing nitrogen is a challenge, and early season rains can wipe out early applications before peak demand. Proximus by Actigrow works with native microbes and soil microbial cycling to manage nitrogen. Applied at planting and side dress with UAN fertilizer, Proximus is proven to protect nitrogen and increase yield. Ask your egg retailer for Proximus with your next UAN purchase or visit superchargeyouran.com. Back, you're listening to Ag PhD Radio, broadcasting from the Morton studio today. And, you know, I'd much rather be out in the field going. It's a little wet here, but uh, the sun is out and things are starting to dry out a little bit. Should be back in the field soon. Uh, let's head over. Our, our first caller here is from Minnesota. We've got Zach with us. Zach, how's it going? I'm good, Darren. How are you? We are doing well. Uh, how's the field work going for you? Uh, it's slow here. We've had a lot of rain. It seems like it wants to rain about every three days. So we get in the field for about a half a day and then we get more rain, which is where we're at right now. Things are drying up pretty good, but we're not able to actually get out and do anything yet. Yeah, that's right. If, uh, if we could be toyed with as farmers, that's exactly how it would shape up. About every third day, uh, we (laughs) just when we get going, it rains again. And, uh, yeah, it's been it's been a frustrating one for sure. But yeah, it looks it looks pretty good in the the near term forecast. Now maybe we'll get rolling. Yeah, we've got a little bit of a chance of rain tomorrow again right away, but um, they keep dropping it. So I'm hopeful. Usually when they start dropping it, hopefully we'll miss it. Yeah. So okay. So what's going to go in first now? Once you can get back in the field, is it corn that's going in or is it soybeans? Well, we're, we we always try to get our corn in as quick as we can before we switch to soybeans, but the little bit of corn we've gotten in, actually we're down to our driest fields now are the fields that are going to be going into soybeans. Um, so we're going to kind of have to wait wait it out and see, but um, I don't really care as long as the planter gets moving. We'll put in whatever we have to at this point. Yeah, I kind of agree too, and we're we're in the same boat to some degree where we've planted the driest fields, the ones that dry out the best for us. Now, now the cornfields that are remaining may be a little more questionable, or maybe they've got a spot in them here or there. So, yeah, it may be that the best fields are the ones that are ready soonest, are the ones who want to put soybeans in. So, yeah, it could lead to some interesting uh, discussions here, and it wouldn't be interesting at all, you know, if we were in. April and say it was April 25th and we could go on the soybean ground. Great. Because we still got a ways to go before the ideal corn planting date. 
yeah, then nobody would be nervous. We'd all be happy if it was April 25th right now. Yeah, I, I I don't know. It's it's just we're at the point, though, where we haven't really given up much for heat units. Our first corn that went in, we've only had 50 growing degree days since then. So anything we put in the ground now, it's only going to take just a few good days, and it'll catch up to that early stuff anyway. Yeah, that's just it. it yeah, like you say, there just hasn't been much heat, regardless of whether it's in the ground or in the bag yet. Okay, talk talk to us a little bit, Zach. So um, I, I know a lot of farmers would be familiar with what you're doing um, on social media and so forth. And and what about with the podcast? I know you've got a podcast going. How's that going? What uh, what could growers expect, and where can they find it? Well, it's going really well. We've only got two episodes out so far, uh, but we have more episodes being worked on right now. Um, Minnesota Public Radio and the Water Main down there um, they they put this whole thing together. They've got myself and another farmer from southeast Iowa, Mitchell Hora, who uh, does a lot of work with cover crops and no-till and strip-till. Um, he's actually got a business where he does a lot of soil health consulting. So they've got him and myself as the host, and we basically talk about, you know, how to implement new practices on the farm um, when it comes to sustainable ag and, and conservation and, and whatever those words might mean to, to different individuals. You know, different farmers may have different ideas of, of what conservation and sustainable egg means to, to each other. But, um, we bring guys in to talk about that. I mean, it's, it's hosted by farmers, Mitchell and myself, and we bring a lot of farmers on, we bring a lot of non-farmers on, but we really try to get down to the nitty gritty of what can we do on our farms to try to implement the best practices that we can to be the most beneficial for the environment as far as soil health and clean water goes. Hey, Zach, I'm actually glad you brought up the words conservation and sustainability. And I don't know if you've heard me mention this before, but I don't like either one of those words. And the reason why I don't is because when I look up their definitions, it basically to me says we're just trying to go uh, with a maintenance program. And the way I look at it is we can actually improve the soil. We can improve the environment. We can improve the crop. We can improve the water. And so I talk all the time about, I don't want conservation or sustainability. I want improvement. We can do that. We can raise more and better crop all at the same time as doing a good thing for the environment. How do you feel about that? I completely agree. And I, 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 I would say that I don't like those words that much either. And to me, those words, the reason I don't like them is because everybody's idea of conservation and sustainability is different. Um, yep. You know, to me, I look at uh, GMOs or genetically engineered seed as being something that I do to take advantage of the latest technology so that I can be more sustainable. Uh, a lot of people don't see it that way. And, and you know, there's, there's good and bad to both sides. And we just what we try and do is just sit down and have the conversations and talk about what those words mean to people and, and how how can we implement new ideas and new practices on, on the individual farms across the country? All right, we've been talking to Zach Johnson here. He is the Millennial Farmer, and he's got a new podcast called Fieldwork, correct, Zach? That's right, yep, yep. It's through uh, Minnesota Public Radio, and, and it's uh, myself and another farmer from southeast Iowa as the host. All right, well, Zach, thanks a lot for being on the show today. Appreciate it. Yeah, thank you, Brian. All right, let's head down to Iowa. We got Ryan with us right now. Uh, Ryan, how are things going down in your area? Hey, the sun's shining today. That's good. That's good. I love it. Let's start with the positive. Let's let's go there. <laughs> exactly. How about how about your crop that's in? How much have you got in, and uh, have you got any that's starting to poke its head out of the ground yet? 
uh, we don't have anything coming up yet. We're about half done on corn. Um, there's you know a little bit of everything down here. Some guys are done with corn and beans. Some guys are just getting started. A uh, little, little bit of mixed bag. You know, I, I, I think about sudden death syndrome whenever I'm I'm thinking about wet and cool springs that that we've we're susceptible to getting that infection early in the season. Uh, is this just one of those years that you wouldn't go without that seed treatment to protect you? Yes. Uh, I, I was trying to tell guys not to even put beans in the ground here the last few days. It just the weather didn't look good. They, you know, they weren't going to do anything anyways when they were in the ground. So why not wait? What uh, weather looks better next week, and uh, you know they'll be in the ground, be up in five six days, and uh, be a lot better than sitting there for two weeks in some cold wet ground. Yeah, it's it's a big risk this year, and I I'm nervous about that because you know already it's a year that that a lot of farmers are saying ah, I'm I'm going to be definitely better off profitability wise going with corn, and if you're going to put beans in the ground, they got to make some yield this year to work. We had a a farmer actually from Iowa with a comment just yesterday I think on the radio show, and he said I don't know about shooting for more bushels this year, it's not going to pay, and I'm like man I don't know how you're going to make it pay if you don't get more bushels this year. Yeah, uh, we were throwing every all seed treatment at it this year, and uh, uh, you got to hope for the best, I guess. Are you trying any of the new Nema Strike or any of the nematicide type things um, in, in addition to what you're doing for sudden death syndrome? I've got trials in corn and soybeans this year for Nema Strike, uh, and both of them. That will be interesting. So what are you, I guess, what are you hoping to find? Have you done some testing to see about nematodes in corn or, or anything beyond just soybean cyst nematodes? We haven't done much in the corn yet. Uh, they, we had one field that was uh, been a problem for us trying to raise soybeans on, and we did some uh, cyst tests uh, last fall and uh, early this spring, I guess, and they came back off the charts. So we're going to uh, do a little 20-acre plot of uh, stripping it with some nemastrike and see uh, see what see what it does. Yeah, Greg Tilka has really been on this. He said, "Boy, just watch out here. There's there's numbers that are building and uh, less results out of some of our nematode-resistant soybeans that we've got to have some extra help out there. So that's that's going to be interesting. And then, are, are you changing rotation because of that? Once you see those big numbers, I know it's got to be scary." Yeah, we'll see what you know. We'll see what this trial uh, results are, to whether or not the it pays. If not, there'll be a. Uh, we're already pretty good, you know, probably three fourths corn, anyways, uh, in rotation. So uh, that that may be a few fields that we'll just uh, run some continuous corn on for a while. So. Yep. Yeah. It's it's a tough challenge, no doubt about it. I'm sure we'll be talking more about it as the the season goes on. Well, Ryan, uh, good luck to you as you finish up planting here. Stay safe and hope you have a good season. You too. Thank you. It's Farmer Friday on Ag PhD Radio. Our phone lines will be open throughout the show today. We're taking your calls and questions at 844-44-AG-PHD. We've also got our email box uh, that's filled to the brim again. <laughs> We're going to get through as many of those emails as we can. It's radio at agphd.com. If you have a, a picture of a weed that you're trying to fight, we've gotten a number of those in today. Uh, also, uh, if you got a soil test you want us to look at, we'd be happy to do so. Stay tuned. We will be right back. With the success of the Case IH Tiger Quad Track and Magnum Road Track tractors, it's no secret why Case IH is the leader of the track. 
So it wasn't surprising when the competition started imitating us. Because Case IH offered the first five axle design to give you more power to the ground with less berming and compaction, all to help you be more productive. Still, we're flattered. In fact, if we weren't already red, we'd be blushing. To learn more, visit caseih.com slash tracks. What do you think of when you hear Palmer Amaranth or Waterhemp? If you use fierce herbicide in your soybean fields, you don't have to think about them at all. With two effective modes of action and up to eight weeks of residual control, Fierce takes on even the toughest weeds like waterhemp and palmer amaranth. Take control of your soybean fields and get rewarded with Roundup Ready Plus when you choose the proven power of Fierce herbicide. Talk to your local retailer today to put Fierce to work in your fields. Always read and follow label directions. You know what's convenient? If you're a soybean grower, what's convenient is Zidua Pro Herbicide. That's because you get... Fast and complete burndown together with up to two weeks longer residual than other herbicides and three sites of action for broad-spectrum weed control plus built-in resistance management. All in one convenient jug. And that turns out to be very inconvenient for pigweed, water hemp, and mare's tail. Contact your local BASF rep today. Grow smart with BASF. Always read and follow label directions. Your independent spirit is more rewarding than ever before. Unlike incentive programs that require growers to purchase a particular seed brand or to bundle certain products, the FMC Freedom Pass program rewards you for making the best choices for your fields. You decide what's best for your operation, from pre-plant to harvest. Your retailer and FMC take care of the rest. It's really that simple. The exclusive agronomic rewards, performance assurances, application innovations, and product financing of the FMC Freedom Pass program make it easier to protect your crops and cash flow. That's what we mean when we say we give you more freedom in the field. You'll experience more control and confidence, too. Generics and imitators can't promise that. Visit your authorized FMC retailer or fmcfreedompass.com to calculate your potential financial incentive and learn more. Every farmer knows there are lots of steps to having a perfect season. Don't let your fertilizer plan be the step that trips you up. For over 35 years, AgroLiquid has had the experts and the products that'll help you move closer to your target. No matter when you apply fertilizer, no matter how, you'll hit the bullseye. AgroLiquid is the perfect fit for your planter fertilizer program. To learn more, go to agroliquid.com. AgroLiquid moves you closer to your target. Back, you're listening to Ag PhD Radio, broadcasting from the Morton studio today on Farmer Friday. Taking your calls and questions all throughout the show at 844-44-AG-PHD. Let's head up to Michigan right now. We've got Daryl with us. Daryl, how are you doing today? I'm doing well, Darren. How are you? Good, good. How are you guys coming planting in, in your neck of the woods? Well, um, I'm actually not farming anymore this year, but the guys... Um, around us about the only thing we've got in so far is, is sugar beets a lot of guys are just finishing those up and i think maybe some of those have actually uh, poked through the ground but it's been cold and wet up here for about the last three weeks in fact yesterday we received about a half inch of rain and today it's about 53 54 degrees so 
not much activity yet. No, I think we're getting the same pattern you guys are getting. We might just be a day or two ahead of that, and then uh, it rains here, and we send it your way to finish yeah. off. But, uh, <laughs> you know, okay, so on a year like this, you mentioned the beats got in. Why are the guys getting the beats in early? Is that just super critical? Yes, yeah. Those are usually the first crop planted around here. And they've planted them as as early as late March, back like in 2012. Um, we had a really early spring, and then there's you know, so they usually go in, especially over in the thumb. They seem to start a little bit earlier than us. Um, we're right in the central part of the state, but uh, typically they go in anywhere from about the 15th of April until they, they like to get them in in April. Um, it just adds to the tonnage and and sugar content and stuff. So. Yeah, it's it's neat when you've got another crop in the rotation, and it, it definitely changes things up. Um, you know, with corn and with soybeans, a lot of guys right now really pushing to get the corn in. Is there a, enough corn in the ground to be comfortable saying, well, there's 10%, 20%? Where, where are guys at? I'll tell you, my county, I think it's about zero right now. There might be some in the ground, but the only ones that I've seen out in the fields are our sugar bee growers. And I know a lot of guys, um, they haven't even put a seed in the ground yet. It's just been too cold and too wet. And, and a lot of our ground, we're, we're pretty well drained up and through here. But, um, you know, it's just like say it's just been cold and wet for the last three weeks or so. Yeah, that, that makes it a challenge. I, you know, the drainage thing is a big deal. We've, uh, we've definitely been working on drainage on our farm for quite a while now. And, and our fields that are very well drained are certainly the first fields that we're getting into. Yep. Uh, are, are guys noticing that around that haven't gotten it done yet and saying, man, I, I just got to bite the bullet this year? Well, a lot. We, we got some really good farmers in our area. And a lot of guys now are going in between their existing lines and they're probably, you know, a lot of the tile put in our area used to be at four rods or about 64 feet. And now guys are going in and splitting those. And if they're putting in new tile, they're going as narrow as 25 feet on everything. So I think they're realizing, you know, the value of that and being able to get on those fields. It just seems like our planting windows are just getting shorter and shorter every year, you know, um, so you got you got to be able to get out there and get it done when you know when you can as, as soon as possible. Yeah, not just the planting too. Uh, like you were talking about with the sugar beets, I I just think about harvest time and yeah. for for our area and I think for yours too. Aren't you guys normally wet in the spring and then wet when you're trying to harvest? Yep, yep. There have been a lot of sugar beets that have been mudded out. <laughs> uh, a lot just... of guys around us they have dump carts now, so they don't run the trucks in the fields next to the harvester, but they have dump carts and. They use those and park the trucks on the road to get the beets out. Okay. Yeah, I, I have seen too many pictures of guys uh, trying to mud some beets out, and it's like, yeah. oh, I don't, I don't, I wouldn't want to do that. Yeah, you're doing a lot more damage to the ground than you are good at sometimes. And, and uh, yeah, you, but you got to get them out. If they freeze in, they could rot out in the field. And he, sometimes you got to do what you got to do, but it's, it's yep. definitely not fun. <laughs> no, no, it's it's definitely not easy uh, easy farming, that's for sure. Well, hey, Daryl, thank you so much. Really appreciate having you on, and, and good luck here the rest of the spring. Thank you, Darren. Appreciate it. Have a good day. I bet. You too. I uh, got Cedric with us right now down in Louisiana. Cedric, how are you doing? Hey, great, Darren. How you doing today, sir? We're doing well. We're doing well. What are crops looking like down your way? Uh, crops are, a lot of corn is popping up right now. Uh, still muddy, though. A lot of rain still coming through these parts of... Uh, central louisiana and uh southeastern louisiana so a lot of uh guys are waiting for time to uh, couldn't do too much uh groundwork 
to get soybeans ready. So uh, they're back against the wall a little bit. But I've seen some corn uh, popping up. And for my uh, Bermuda and Bahia hay production, I wanted to uh, thank you once again for telling me about that graze on next. Uh, it really took care of that uh, horse horse uh, thistle. It was taking over several patches. Yeah, yeah. So uh, it's looking pretty good. Even though it looked like it stunned it stunned the uh, Bermuda a little bit. It had a little yellowish to it. I don't know if the rates were a little bit too strong. That's probably the rate because that's exactly what Brian tries to do, Cedric. He likes to make it look like it. It looks like it killed the grass when hey, Brian seriously. sprays it. Well, I, I was just I was just talking to our guys or just around the place here. I'm so unhappy when I see dandelions in the spring because we just Brian sprayed would rather like see grass that looks like it's almost going to die. Cedric. Well, and I told him, hey, like, the there's grass. No, there's I, no I, dandelions I, coming back anytime soon. There, I, I couldn't tell on the grass and that you sprayed. Have to mow. And sure enough, then it didn't do the job it was supposed to do. So you know, it's really hard when you get, um, especially out in a field. If I'm doing a hundred right. acres, it's really easy. We got great. Great big sprayers with fancy controls and everything, so we can uh-huh. dial that rate in just right. But you start making little applications. You're running four wheelers like we do sometimes, and I mean it's hard to know. So yeah, I, yeah. I, I mean when I when you tell me uh, it it, it uh, changed the color a little bit, then that tells me okay, we 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 were at about the max <laughs> rate we can probably. We better run. have good weed kill if we're gonna do that. Yeah. So uh, anyway, uh, Brian and Darren, when I did notice that uh, some of that Bahia and Bermuda took a little stun to it, I came back a couple weeks later and I fertilized with some triple 17 and uh, with the rain, it greened back on up. So it didn't kill it. So Yeah, I was going to say that rainy season's probably great for that kind of stuff, isn't it? Yeah, it is. But hey, you know, you need four days to uh, cut, tether and uh, dry it out before you can bail it up. So lately in Louisiana, we've not been in four days straight of sunshine yet. No, no, we were just talking with uh, Zach up in Minnesota, and he said it's about three days in between rains, and they just can't get anything done. So it sounds like you're in the same boat. Yes, sir. Well, let's uh, check it in with you guys. Yeah, I appreciate that, Cedric. So there's soybeans right. still still yet to be planted in Louisiana. Yeah, soybeans still yet to be planted. And I think a lot of uh, – I live near the uh, LSU Ag Center uh, test plots they have there where they usually have soybeans coming out the ground around this time. They still uh, haven't done no field work, so I don't know if they're even going to plan them this year. Wow. Yep. Yeah, yeah. I guess uh, I, you don't even expect that. When you're when you're as far north as we are, Cedric, we think, oh, no, those guys got it made in the shade <laughs> down there. But uh, it sounds like it's been a little tough there, too. <laughs> yes, sir. All right, you guys have a great day. You bet. Thanks a lot. Really appreciate you calling. All right. Yes, sir. Bye-bye. Yeah, we got a lot of soybeans yet to go. Haven't got any in up here at all yet. We're still still working on getting some corn in too. Uh, we got a number of questions that have come in here uh, in our radio inbox. So let's jump into a couple of those. So Mark out in Maryland uh, had sent in something earlier about head scab and what was going on, and he said just uh, wanted to give you a couple follow up comments here. Penn State has a, a scab risk assessment tool for small grains and. He said they've been rolling as hard as they could with ground rigs and airplanes trying to get fungicides out on the wheat because the seven-day forecast uh, looks like a pretty high risk for a big area on the East Coast for, for head scab. Brian, what products are you seeing that are making a difference with head scab on wheat? And I love that these guys are getting out ahead of it. I love how Darren asked me the question when he already knows the answer. That's what so they tell politicians he, he just to didn't do. Want, they he say, just don't, didn't want to talk anymore. They say don't ask questions that you don't already know the answer to. <laughs> 
So, so anyway, one of the new things this year is, is Miravis Ace. I know I'm going to be trying a little bit of that this year. For years, we have used Prasaro and Caramba very effectively when we start talking about Fusarium head blight or scab in wheat. You know, the old product was um, it, it, and it was good. In, back in the day, and not that a was bad the only rust, thing Not a had. bad rust product no, either. It's a, no, it's a real good rust product. But I'm just trying to say, with head scab, we thought it was good until we saw Prasaro, Caramba, and now Miravis Ace. So if you've got a scab issue or you're worried about having a scab issue, spend the extra money and go with one of the, the, the good products. The generic Folicure now is dirt cheap. It's two bucks. So if all you have is rust, that's the way I would go. Or if you say, uh, I'm really not that worried about scab or I'm in a 30, 40 bushel wheat environment, whatever, I'm absolutely still using Folicure, generic Folicure at heading because it's only two bucks. All right, it's Farmer Friday on our show today, and the topic is whatever you want to make it. You can call in at 844-44-AG-PHD. Stay tuned. Interested in strip tillage? You should know about the Soil Warrior from ETS. With one-pass efficiency, optimized nutrient placement, and reduced production costs for higher profitability, the Soil Warrior brings the future to your farm. Visit SoilWarrior.com to learn more. The Guardian Air Twin Spray Nozzle from Hypro produces a twin spray pattern with air-inducted droplets for superior coverage, even in dense canopies. Be effective and efficient with your spray application this season with the Guardian Air Twin. Hypro, helping you spray better. Using NSERV Nitrogen Stabilizer with Fall Fertilizer Applications keeps nitrogen available into the spring for maximum crop growth. Field trials in Iowa show NSERV delivered an average revenue increase of $22.96 per acre, and NSERV is the only recognized nitrogen stabilizer product in the Iowa Nutrient Reduction Strategy because it reduces nitrate leaching. That's max profit in an environmentally sustainable way. Calculate your field's profit potential at nitrogenmaximizers.com. How do you know when to run your grain bin fans? There's an app for that. With the Steps GMS app, you can manually turn your fans on and off from your smartphone. You can also configure the Steps GMS app to automatically turn fans on when the humidity or temperature is ideal to keep your grain in top quality condition. Save yourself some time and take the guesswork out of managing your stored grain with the Steps GMS app. Contact us at stepsgms.com for more information. This year, you already made one smart choice by planting glufosinate-tolerant seeds. Now make another, Interline Herbicide from UPL. Interline controls tough, resistant weeds like pigweed, waterhemp, mare's tail, and ragweed in glufosinate cropping systems. And with our new manufacturing facility, there'll be plenty of Interline to go around. So play it smart. Choose cost-effective Interline Herbicide. To learn more, contact your UPL distributor or sales representative. Always read and follow label directions. Every farmer knows there are lots of steps to having a perfect season. Don't let your fertilizer plan be the step that trips you up. For over 35 years, AgroLiquid has had the experts and the products that'll help you move closer to your target. No matter when you apply fertilizer, no matter how, you'll hit the bullseye. AgroLiquid is the perfect fit for your planter fertilizer program. To learn more, go to agroliquid.com. AgroLiquid moves you closer to your target. Are you frustrated with white mold showing up year after year in your soybeans? If you have tried fungicide applications and are still losing yield to white mold, now is the time to ask your seed dealer about Heads Up Plant Protectant. 
Heads Up is the first EPA-registered seed treatment for the prevention of white mold in soybeans and pulse crops. The first line of defense on your farm against white mold now starts with the right seed treatment package. Locate a Heads Up dealer near you by visiting headsupst.com today. Back, you're listening to Ag PhD Radio, broadcasting from the Morton studio today on Farmer Friday. We're taking your calls and questions at 844-44-AG-PHD. Got Lonnie with us right now out in Illinois. Lonnie, how's it going? Hey, it's going all right, Darren. How are you guys today? We are doing pretty well. We're doing pretty well. The sun's shining here. Hey, what's the hay crop look like? What's the alfalfa look like in your area? Well, that's my question I'm calling about. I've got a lot of uh, wild mustard in there, and I'm just wondering, is there anything I can spray that's not going to hurt my hay? I have been reading where and considering taking like a old sickle bar and going out there and mowing the tops of that off uh, before it goes to seed, but I didn't know what your guys' thought was on that. You know, we, we grew up raising a little bit of alfalfa on our farm. We had a lot of livestock around, and uh, hand-pulling wild mustard was a pretty nice, cost-effective way to keep your children busy. At least that's what I was was taught at a very young age. Of, hey, go out and get those right. mustard plants out of there. Yeah, but you you can just use old buckteral. Uh, like Brox is one of the generic buckterals that's out there now. They don't I don't think even make the name brand, but that's what I would be using. That'll work fine. Okay. Yeah, Pursuit's not yeah. bad either, I guess, if you're in a spot. That, right. One of it's those just two the, products. Right. It's just the Buckchill's a little cheaper. But, it, yeah, I, I mean, either one of those two things. You know, the, the sad thing, uh, Lonnie, is in alfalfa, there just aren't a lot of herbicides that can safely be used. And so, you know, right. yeah, you've got Pursuit, you've got Buckchill, and honestly, that's about it. Or Raptor, I guess a lot of people will talk about. It's basically the same thing as Pursuit. So, um, fortunately, you're lucky because both of those choices will control wild mustard. So, you should be in good shape. Okay. Well, I mean, is either one of you free to come down and help do some pulling? <laughs> so, uh, what my, you're saying is you want the cheap el- option my, instead of spraying Lonnie, the herbicide. My years of eligibility <laughs> are used up for uh, pulling mustard out of alfalfa fields. Oh, well, I uh, <laughs> I called just a few weeks ago and talked to Brian about uh, pulling cuckle burrs, and he got a big kick out of out of soybeans. He thought that was uh, that was unheard of anymore to anybody uh, walks beans. We but, did a lot of that. We, we, yeah, we did plenty of that, too. So as you're far getting... as getting anything planted down in our area, one thing we're planting today is uh, hedge posts, so... Yep, you're getting a you're getting a pretty good smile uh, from our producer and uh, call screen. It's our sister Janelle. She's she remembers pulling all those weeds too. She got got uh, got in and all that fun as we were growing up. Also, so yeah, it's a uh, it's a good deal. Hey, uh, Lonnie, what stuff look like around here? Are guys are guys doing anything? I mean, what percentage of the crop would you say has gotten planted? Oh, I would say it's in the ten to twenty percent. And I mean, there was one guy, our neighbor, he planted really, really early, but it does, you know, a lot of the field is washed and corn is turning. Uh, it's not very dark green. And it, I just think he, he wanted to be the first in the neighborhood to get done. And I think it's going to backfire on him. But uh, I mean, we haven't done nothing. It just, as soon as it, you know, as soon as it just starts to get enough dry, then, then it rains again. And, and so we haven't been, we've got, 
probably two weeks of manure to haul. So, I mean, we just, so like I say, we're, we're planting hedge posts right now. We're just <laughs> digging holes for those. So yeah, trying it's, to get some of that work kind of work done. And, it's for uh, sure going to uh, be a compressed I, season with all the jobs that have to happen in a hurry. No doubt about it. Right. And I, I seen a cute picture the other day, some farmer put out, he, uh, uh, he had lined, got about 10 box fans and stuff and put them out alongside his field trying to dry it out just as a you know as a joke <laughs> out of his house trying to you know but, you bet you know. well all we need now is some sun and some wind and we get them for a few days in a row and and it'll it'll turn around in a hurry now we're getting late enough into the season it'll move quickly well hey Lonnie, good luck to you i know you got a lot of work to get done here in the next few weeks but uh stay safe and and hopefully it all works out good all right. Well, thank you for your show. I sure I listen to it every day. Awesome. Thank you very much, Lonnie. We really appreciate that. Man, Brian, I really, really want you to go to Illinois and pull those weeds for him, though. I think that would be I think that would be awesome. Ha uh-huh. <laughs> ha. Okay, speaking of weeds, here's here's an impossible question. This one's from Aaron and he's out in Oregon. He said, I've been battling creeping bent grass on my wheat now for a while. I've tried Gold Sky, Axial, PowerFlex. I just haven't had any success. This year I'm gonna try Axiom to see if it will help out at all, just to get something different out there. Any thought on what else I could use coming uh, for my soft white winter wheat for bent grass? No. Um your best bet is to rotate to a crop where you can spray herbicides that will that are very effective on grasses like creeping bent grass. It's a tough one. So, you know, there are things that will maybe have a little more activity than the herbicides that you've used. So the Axiom, yes, that can be used. I just worry about the crop safety with that. It's Metribuzin and it's a group 15, and you have to apply it at just the right time. The The, the wheat has to be not just planted, it has to be germinated. And ideally, I'd like to get it sprayed before the wheat comes out of the ground. So you've got just a handful of days to spray that. Anyway, both Metribuzin and Group 15 herbicides have some activity in creeping bent grass. Beyond is another thing that would have some activity on creeping bent grass if you were to raise clearfield wheat. Then you've got Husky Complete, where I say, you know, HPPDs have a little activity on creeping bent grass. And also ALS, the ALS grass killer Varro is in that Husky Complete. So I think Beyond, I think Axiom, I think Husky Complete. Here's the bad news. There's nothing labeled to kill creeping bent grass in wheat. So you can try all those things to get suppression. But, uh, you know, what you're going to have to do to get perfect control is rotate to another crop, unfortunately. Or, obviously, in the off season, you know, between crops, then if there is that creeping bent grass out there, you go hit it really hard with glyphosate. And hopefully your bent grass isn't glyphosate tolerant. Thanks for the question, Aaron. We really appreciate that. I uh, got one for Brennan over in Minnesota. He said, with planting season uh, hopefully coming up and spending a lot of time in the tractor, I was wondering, are there any ag podcasts that you guys would recommend? Uh, yeah, we were just talking to Zach Johnson, the millennial farmer. He's got his, uh, which uh, which you could certainly check out. Fieldwork is the name of his. Uh, we, we talk about Rob Sharkey all the time. He's got a show, a radio show right after ours, but he also has a, a really popular podcast. So those are just a couple of the good ones out there. 
Yep, there's lots of them depending on what you're interested in, and also uh, books you can listen to as well if if uh, you're you're looking for just more education and information. Got Bob on with us right now in Southern Indiana. Bob, how are you doing? I'm doing pretty good. I just thought maybe you guys were having a little slow one. I wanted to call in and uh, tell you it was wet down here, and every place we farm is wet, and we got zero beans and zero corn planted, and and most of the people around us are. The same way, there's a little bit planted on the sand here and there, but not much. And yeah. uh, and I was also sorry about your father. Oh, and thanks, Bob. I love to hear your story. I love to hear your stories about him. And maybe someday you ought to have a program on the best advice you got from dad or mom. Yeah, and that you would know, probably take up the whole show. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure it would too. And you know, that's a big thing for everybody just to write down some of those things. Because you think, oh, you know, I can think of one or two things, but then once you get talking about it, then there's ten or twenty different things that that come to mind pretty quickly. When you talked about your zero percent planted on corn and zero percent planted on beans, one of the first things I yep. thought about was my dad's frustration with some of the government reporting, and and he got a call. Yeah. On, one night, and they said, well, we're 50% planted. And then the next day, uh, he decided that they were just going to call it quits and not even try. And they said, well, how far done are you? And, and he said, well, 100%. Well, he's like, wait a second. How'd you go from 50% to 100%? Well, everybody just gave up, and they're not going to plant anymore, so they're 100% done. And he's like, well, that's not right. Yep. They're 50%. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I have, the, I have the same difficulty with some of the reporting, but uh, I let it go in one ear and out the other. And and it, some of this stuff on the Mississippi River, the rain has caused our grain bases to go way up, and we're moving a lot of corn today, so uh, that's helped out on that. And I hope Trump and uh, Chinese get it worked out today to where it helps both countries. That's for sure. And I think, I think both countries are hurting, really. And I know about your wide bases to the negative on beans, and we're not... We're not like that, but uh, we can't grow enough to make money at $7. So No, it's going to be a challenge this year, especially uh, as tough as it is getting them in, too. Well, hey, Bob, thank you for the call. Thanks for uh, for the thoughts about our dad, too. We really appreciate that. Uh, stay tuned. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio. We'll be right back. Clean fields and higher yields start with a strong battle plan. For soybean growers, there's no stronger ally than Sonic Herbicide. When applied pre-emerge, Sonic has proven to defeat yield robbers like waterhemp, mare's tail, and giant ragweed. With long-lasting residual control, it keeps fighting to defend your field from invaders. Visit BattleWeeds.com to plan your attack against weeds. Always read and follow label directions. Sir, yes, sir! This is one commercial for two herbicides, so we'll have to make this quick, okay? Here goes. Satellite HydroCap is great for pre-emergent control of grasses and broadleaf weeds and has a long residual life. New Satellite Flags, featuring UPL's patented transverse technology, delivers a high level of active ingredient over an extended soil coverage area. Both offer excellent mixing and handling characteristics and are valuable options for your resistant management plants. For more information on satellite herbicides, contact your crop protection consultant or your dealer. Always read and follow label directions. When it comes to my weed control, I know a head start can go a long way. That's why I spray early, so I can keep control all season long with a Roundup Ready Extend Crop System, the system that makes the difference. This is my field. Choose the Roundup Ready Extend Crop System for control of more weeds than any other soybean system. 
featuring Extendamax herbicide with VaporGrip technology to manage tough-to-control weeds, including up to 14 days of soil activity, along with the field-proven performance of Roundup Ready-to-Extend soybeans. Now you have the right tools to extend your weed control and extend your yield with the system that makes the difference. Learn how you can put the system to work in your field when you visit RoundupReadyExtend.com. Extendamax is a restricted-use pesticide. Performance may vary. Always read and follow grain marketing and all other stewardship practices and pesticide label directions. Check local regulations for specific requirements in your state. Every farmer knows that in order to be profitable, you need to maximize the return on your crop input investments. Hi, I'm Scott Harms, an agrist specialist with Grain PhD. Without an effective and flexible strategy, your grain marketing plan gets stuck in the mud. With Grain PhD, you get the clarity and guidance a solid marketing plan needs. Our free GrainBridge software simplifies your cost-profit analysis, and our risk specialists are here to help you develop your plan. Sign up today at GrainPhD.com. Give your corn a strong defense against stress throughout the season with MycoApply Indoprime SC. MycoApply Indoprime SC uses four specially selected species of mycorrhizal fungi to protect your crop against stress. That means more access to water and key micronutrients while building a healthy soil structure for stronger crops for years to come. Stronger corn starts beneath the surface. Learn more about MycoApply Indoprime SC at IndoprimeCorn.com. Always read and follow label instructions. To Ag PhD Radio. Thanks for joining us today on Farmer Friday. Our phone lines are open throughout the show here at 844-44-AG-PHD. You can send us an email, radio at agphd.com, or you can find us on Twitter, Ag PhD Media, Brian Hefty or Darren Hefty. Got one from Matt out in northeast Colorado. He said, my soil's cation exchange capacities are somewhere in the teens, uh, we're getting about half the annual rainfall that I hear you guys saying that you're getting. Uh, just just thinking about a number of different things. First of all, uh, we're taking peas out of the rotation this year. Uh, I saw your pre-emerge strategy recently, uh, thinking of them more or less like soybeans uh, should should knock them out. Oh, must be talking about the weeds. Okay. Uh, he said, I've also got a couple Thank of- Thank you for pre-reading this email, Darren. <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> sorry. Uh, he said, I've got these thistles out there that I'm really struggling with. We're calling them pea thistles because uh, they're often in our field pea uh, fields. They're still green at harvest time, taller than the peas, uh, really annoying, look terrible. Haven't really noticed that they've hurt our yield a ton, but but they probably have. Uh what would you use to control thistles out in peas? But that's a challenge, Brian. Yeah. Um, controlling thistles in peas, I don't have a real good answer for you. Well, and, I'll and looking just at one this. of the pictures that you sent, it looks like I, there's a patch. Let, let me see his email again. Um, here, here's the thing. When we start talking about thistle control and Darren goes, well, what, do you, what, what kind of thistle do you think it is? And I go, well, it looks like Canada thistle, but I can't really tell very well just from the picture. But I said, I don't really care what kind of thistle it is. It doesn't make that much difference to me. So when I start thinking about thistle control, the number one thing that I'm thinking about is a high rate of glyphosate and doing that right before I'm going to seed my crop. So we used to deal with this years ago before we had Roundup Ready crops. And the, the number one thing that I wanted to comment about in his email here is he says, a decent rate of Roundup and 
2,4-D or dicamba ought to be enough to, to control them, right? Well, the whole problem here, Matt, is throwing the 2,4-D or dicamba in there because what we have learned over the years is you don't want that. You just want straight Roundup at the highest labeled rate possible, and that will give you the control because what ends up happening when you throw 2,4-D or dicamba out there it shuts the plant down before the Roundup, which is a slow killer, gets all the way down deep into that root system. So when we've got a perennial, which it looks like to me, thistle here, uh, there are there's a huge root system under the ground. And I can really believe that, too, based on what looks like an enormous patch here that probably spread from rhizomes. And we want to kill the whole thing and we want to be done with it permanently. But I agree with you 100%. It does show up later on. I just remember this when I was a very young agronomist and farmer and everywhere we had a thistle patch, the yield was down, I mean, dramatically. And you could visually see it even early in the spring. I'm like, what is doing that in those spots? It was just thistles. So thistle is an, an enormous problem. You really want to get it under control. So yeah, what I'm going to do in front of peas is I'm just going to make sure that I do zero tillage. I mean, none until I spray that Roundup at the highest labeled rate. I'm going to wait a few days. Then if you want to go till it, plant into it, whatever, it's fine. But you've got to give it a little time for that Roundup to get all the way down into the root system. What happens is if you do tillage first and you cut some of those rhizomes below the ground, well, now the Roundup can't get all the way through the plant. The plant is no longer actively growing. And so you just don't get the control you should. And yeah, you'll probably burn it down for a while and you say, oh, it looks like like I did a good job here. And then later in the season, stuff comes back on you. The next year it comes back on you. Well, I don't want that and you don't want that either. So no tillage until probably a week after you've sprayed the highest possible labeled rate of Roundup and do a good job getting coverage there. Keep the water volume relatively low though. Don't be using 20 or 30 gallons of water per acre. I want five, maybe 10 at the very most. That's my advice. Right, yeah. The any perennial weeds are are just difficult to control, and you've got to consider what's going on with those the root system. I think a big thing is avoiding tillage, so you don't spread that around and and chop it up and have lots and lots of weeds to fight. All right, let me get to this next question here. This one is from Sandy, and she says I got a problem in my pastures. My issue is I have crabgrass, and my pasture grass is orchard grass, fescue, and bluegrass. Is there anything I can use to stop this crabgrass? It's basically just kind of in areas in my field. Well, Sandy, here's the thing. There are actually some products out there that will kill crabgrass. Now, certainly you can go out there and spray Roundup and kill everything if you want. Um, usually perennial grasses like orchard grass, fescue, uh, some fescues, and uh, bluegrass will come back even after, let's say, a moderate to low rate of, of Roundup. And the crabgrass might not because a lot of times we're talking about annual crabgrass. Anyway, uh, here's here's what I would say. It's really tough when we have multiple species of grass out there. So you mentioned orchard grass, fescue, and bluegrass, and you want them all to live. Well, for example, I can use Tenacity. That's an HPPD herbicide. It'd be similar to Callisto for you corn farmers out there. Uh, you could use Tenacity. That's okay on bluegrass and fescue problem is it's not labeled in orchard grass so you're you're so sandy you're probably going to really ding up your orchard grass you'd kill your crabgrass but you're going to ding up your orchard grass the blue and fescue would be be fine but not the orchard grass most likely 
Same exact thing with dimension. Dimension gets used in a lot of turf grass situations, fine and blue and fescue. It's not labeled on orchard grass. Uh, then you go to plateau. Well, plateau will kind of ding up orchard grass and bluegrass a little bit, but they'll come out of it, but that's not labeled for fescue. Uh, then you've got like pastora. A lot of people ask us about pastora because that can control crabgrass too, but that's only labeled for use in Bermuda grass. So you see where I'm going on this. It's I, I don't have an answer for you when you have all three of those grass species out there, but there are some alternatives for you that it could certainly help on that problem. Um, the, the other thing that I would just say is whenever we start talking about pastures and we have annual grasses showing up in there, that usually to me means one of two things, either overgrazing or improper fertility. So I would really look at what can I do in those spots? Maybe there's something wrong in those spots where you're having some, some crabgrass where we've got a fertility issue. So if you do pull some soil samples, you want us to look at them, we'd be more than happy to do that. And then certainly we would encourage you to do rotational grazing, and that will usually help in terms of this overgrazing issue. And generally speaking, then your perennial grasses are able to be more healthy and choke out most of the annual grass species. All right. Thanks for the question. We appreciate that. Let's go back to the phone lines. we got Todd in Wyoming. Todd, how are you doing today? Doing great, guys. How are you? Good, good. What can we help you with? Good. Well, I know we're short on time. I have a quick question. Planted some alfalfa seed last fall in my grain stubble, as I usually do. My dilemma is that I have a lot of dandelion coming in at the spring with the, the new planted alfalfa. And so I'm debating whether to kill it all or is there some way of selectively killing the dandelion. Boy, not really. Uh, normally, normally when we've got dandelions coming, that's a that's a rip it up and start over kind of thing. Um, the the other thing I'd say is is trying to kill them off uh, along the way. We we've had really good luck using uh, dicamba type products. Uh, I know there are other things that could be used too, but uh, that would be one thing I would think about is what's it going to take to kill the dandelions. Yeah. So Todd, there are people who when the alfalfa is still dormant, they will use a product called Velpar, and that can give you some suppression on dandelion. It's not going to be perfect, but it'll give you some suppression. But I'll be honest with you, I've been an agronomist for almost 30 years now, and my advice to alfalfa producers whenever I get a phone call like this, it's it's generally in alfalfa, one of two things in our region here. It's either, hey, my dandelions are starting to take over, or it's quackgrass. And if they get either one of those things, that starts to really concern me, dandelions especially, because I just don't have a good a piece of advice for you. We've tried a lot of things, haven't seen much. You can get tiny little bits of suppression out of maybe a buctrel and butyrac combination, but it's just not very good. So generally speaking, I just tell guys, sorry, I don't have a better answer for you than to tear it up and start over. Yeah, okay. Would you spray it with Roundup first to kill the whole thing? Probably. Give it a few days and then till it. Yep, that's what I would do. That's what I would do. Yep, hit it with a good okay. strong rate and uh, and that'll make a difference. And then okay. oh, and Thank one you very much. Yeah, and one thing too going forward, there is Roundup Ready Alfalfa out there and so you could certainly use that in the future and then you'd have a method to control dandelions if they're showing up again. Okay. All right. Yep. Thanks I for the call, Todd. That very much. You bet. Thank Thanks. You. Appreciate right. it. Go. 
Yeah, I love hearing from farmers around the country. I love hearing all these different things that are going on out there. If you've got a question for us, radio at agphd.com is our email box. Thanks for listening today. Be sure to join us again each weekday for more Ag PhD Radio.